Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming of the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. My partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and I would like to talk to you today about selling your parents' home. So you've just been appointed as personal representative of your folks' estate, or you're the successor trustee of their trust. One of the most common problems that we see in the administration of an estate is what to do with the house. You maybe grew up in that house, or some of your siblings did, or maybe all of you did. Maybe there's a lot of emotion attached to it. Lord knows it is full of stuff. Uh, it's almost overwhelmingly full of stuff. People typically, Robert, come to us absolutely overwhelmed when they have to think about what to do with their parents' home. And not only are their memories tied up in the space and the place and the things inside, but a question of whether or not they need to repair the property, they need to improve the property before it's sold, or what happens if somebody's sibling is still living in the house because the sibling helped mom or dad during his or her illness? What, what do you do about the utilities? Who pays for those? So it's pretty common for us, Robert, to just have one-on-one -on -one meetings with trustees or personal representatives just to talk about the house. Yeah, that is a just a constant problem. And and it's troubling. An awful lot of cases that we see, it may take a year to wrap up the estate just because the executor, personal representative, trustee, whatever their title is, can't focus on getting the house taken care of because it's just so overwhelming. Or the person wants to do it all themselves, Robert. Right. And so one of the first things that I do when I meet with a personal representative or a trustee if the home is titled to a trust is have a conversation about what are the things that we can delegate? What are the tasks related to that property that we can delegate either to a property management company, to a real estate agent, to an estate sale company, to try and reduce the amount of responsibility and the to-dos on the personal representative's own personal list. So have you ever heard this, Elizabeth, from, from one of your clients? I just can't deal with selling the house yet, it's not ready until I can get it emptied, all the furniture taken care of, replace the carpet, and repaint the whole place. I hear that all the time, and you know what I say, Robert? Let's get a moving company, let's get a couple of different storage lockers, move things out of the house. Sometimes the sorting in the house is the hardest part. So you know what? Let's just get the stuff moved, because it's a whole lot less expensive to pay for a couple big storage units than it is to keep a house up and running, continue another year of property taxes, try and get homeowner's insurance when it's a vacant property. All of these details, they end up both creating some risk and exposure for the estate, but they also cost a whole lot more than just paying for a storage unit for a year or so while you're dealing with the house. And typically when people can separate the personal property inside the home from the home itself, it becomes a whole lot more manageable to deal with those two separate tasks. And, and no, I don't think I can even talk to a real estate agent until I get the roof fixed and the, and the exterior painted. They're going to tell me I have to do that in order to list the house, right? Not necessarily, Robert. We see a real risk to personal representatives and trustees when people try and start to improve properties 
that just need to be sold. I recently met with somebody who was administering his mother's estate, and the house was um, without a mortgage. It was free and clear. And the estate had probably $20,000 in cash plus the house. And his main concern was that the repairs and home improvements he needed to make were closer to forty dollars or $50,000. And once I started asking him about what exactly those were, there were things like improving the bathrooms, putting granite countertops in the kitchen. That really should not be the focus of the personal representative. Your role as a personal representative and as a trustee administering the estate is to go ahead and get rid of that asset if the directions in the will or the trust say that that asset should be sold. A couple of years ago, Zillow started putting something on their website that I find really helpful in my conversations with clients in this context. And that is Zillow will tell you often, if you look up your house, you'll see this. If you would just put $30,000 in renovations in your kitchen, it would improve the value of your house by $22,000 or whatever the numbers are in your case. That should tip you off. If, you, if your client had taken the $20,000 that he had, put 20000 of his own money into it, done all of the work in the, in the bathrooms and the kitchen to replace the countertops and repaint, uh, spent $40,000, he might have improved the value of the house by $30,000, lost $10,000 in the project, and, uh, and kept things from being wrapped up in the estate for another 6, 9, 12 months. So almost every case, the answer is get it done. Just do the minimum things that your real estate agent tells you to do, and this is a really key thing. If you're going to list and sell the property anyway, Talk to the real estate agent now before you make decisions about whether to replace the carpet or repaint the kitchen. And, and if you have a real estate agent, Robert, who is telling you to do all this stuff, you should probably go and meet with another real estate agent. This is a perfect opportunity, actually, to have a few different interviews because the beneficiaries may ask you why you chose a particular realtor over another. And the personal representative or trustee should be prepared to answer that question. Uh, on the subject of replacing the carpet or repainting the house. If you've ever bought a house yourself, if you've ever gone house hunting, you know that you've walked into rooms and said, I love this kitchen. It's very nicely laid out. Who picked that horrid color? And you're going to have it repainted immediately. That's just a universal reaction to, for home buyers. So why would it be any different for you when you decide that off-white is the color that ought to be all over your parents' walls the first person in who's going to want to buy the house will start imagining bright blue walls or purple wallpaper or whatever they imagine. You can't imagine what they're going to imagine. So you've probably, in most cases, wasted the time and, and the money, but more importantly, the time in getting the house repainted. It's very seldom that we encourage people to repaint or replace all of the carpet or rip out the carpet and put in hardwood floors or put in a fireplace or granite countertops or any of the other things that you might do to improve your own house if you were planning on living here. And I'll tell you, Robert, sometimes we meet with people and what we learn is that the personal representative does want to live in that house. The personal representative does want to purchase that house from the estate. Well, I can't do that if I'm the personal representative, can I? That would be a conflict of interest. Absolutely, Robert. It's something that we have to talk about. We have to talk about with the personal representative. 
with other beneficiaries. Oftentimes we seek court approval in those cases. But if what's happening is that the personal representative has a personal motive in improving the property, using the money in the estate, that's a big red flag and we need to stop and talk. We also see people on occasion, Robert, not all the time, say, I just don't want to deal with this issue the next 18 months. I have so many other things with the estate to handle. I just want to put this off a bit. So I'm just going to rent the property or I'm just going to have Airbnb the property so I can have some income, an income to the estate. I will tell you that without question, that is often more trouble than it's worth. And the reason why is not only are you spending time and energy maintaining a property and trying to keep it tidy enough for guests to come and go or renters to be pleased, but you're also all of a sudden starting to deal with new costs once you have new people living in the home. So I really dissuade people from trying to put off the decision and renting the house in the meantime. So my brother has started howling at me to get the house sold and he wants to get out his one-third interest. My sister is still trying to decide if she wants to buy the house from the estate and move into it. I can't do anything until they've resolved it and my sister says she can't make up her mind for the next year. Can I just wait a year before making the decision about whether to sell the house? No, Robert, that's not a good plan. A good plan in those kinds of cases is for us to sit down with a personal representative and really discuss what are the issues here and why? How are the parties motivated? Can we do some kind of family settlement agreement? Can we do some kind of division of the estate? Um, maybe a partial distribution early on to help reduce some of the pressures and, and keep things moving. What people need to know is that there are ways to be collaborative and creative, particularly when it comes to real estate and estates. But that's something where beneficiaries often try and work things out among themselves, it's fine. But what we like to do is we like to make sure that there are some binding agreements in place that five years from now, when your sister realizes she bought the home from the estate and there's a problem with lead paint or asbestos, we want to make sure that all of that is discussed up front, that there are no secrets. And oftentimes we see there's this time sensitivity in people trying to get things done so quickly, particularly because they want to avoid conflict with family members. It ends up stinging them in the end. That's one of the things that having a good law firm to represent you can help with. We can be the point of contact. We can contact your brother and sister. And yeah, sure enough, it costs more money if we do some of that work, but we can take some of the emotional baggage away from, from the conversation. Well, there's lots more we could talk about, about houses and the contents of houses, the personal property. What are we going to do with all that, as they say now, brown furniture, which is so uh, currently unpopular? Uh, what are we going to do with the silver and the, and the flatware and the, the keepsakes? Let's do that conversation on another episode of Elder Law Issues, which is what you've been listening to with me, Robert Fleming, and my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman of Fleming and Curdy PLC. We, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this conversation and you'll join us for a, a subsequent one. Thanks. <laughs>